Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the book of Matthew with this sermon entitled, How to Judge, Part 1, preached on September 7th, 1997. This morning, I want to consider with you Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Do not judge, for you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye. When all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Crinete hiname crithete. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. I want to speak this morning about judge not. And this evening I'll speak to you about judge. Now this particular prohibition of our Lord Jesus Christ, judge not, is one of the most misunderstood statements in the scripture. Misunderstood by especially unbelievers. And so this verse is often quoted by unbelievers to muscle Christians' clear presentation of the truth of the gospel. So we want to understand what does it mean? Judge not. Really, what does it mean? So first, let's look at the meaning of this prohibition. Me crinete. Judge not. Does Jesus mean that Christians should not have any opinion? Does this mean Christians should be middle of the roaders? Should Christians be tolerant of all views? That Christians should support the view that all religions are of equal validity? That Christians should not therefore evangelize? The moment you evangelize, you are judging the one who is being evangelized. That Christians should hold the view that no man is a sinner, but every man is good and getting better every day. That we should stop preaching the gospel because the cross is foolishness to the Greek and a stumbling block to the Jews. The answer is no. Jesus is not asking us to be saccharine sweet. 
Jesus is not asking us to get rid of our critical powers and go with the flow of the feeling. God has renewed our minds and we are therefore to think God's thoughts after him. Besides, look at verse 6. And it says, do not give dogs what is sacred. And do not throw your pearls to pigs and so on. Jesus is not speaking of literal dogs and pigs. He wants us to discern people. And not give the precious gospel truth to those people who mock and despise and thus behave themselves as dogs and pigs, unclean, undiscerning and violent. This calls for judging people. Look at verse 15 of chapter 7. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves Jesus is speaking about religious teachers who are false and preach lies from their own subjectivity for the singular purpose of destroying people wolves ferocious wolves that require us to judge Christians must use their critical minds and must reject the false prophecies of false prophets as lies. Jesus himself judges these false teachers, especially in Matthew 23 and verse 33 tells us, You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape? Being condemned to hell. Jesus is saying not judge at all. Then how can the delegated authorities judge? The state must judge through its magistrates. In the home the parents are to judge and guide their children in the right way of the scriptures. Imagine your teenager telling you. Jesus says, judge not. In the church, the leaders are to judge and exercise discipline and maintain the purity of the church. The church must judge and cast out the heretics and oppose their heresies. So we need to look at the word judge. In the Greek it is krino. Now this word krino has a range of meanings. It means judge judicially. It means to discern. And it also means to condemn. So the sense in which it is used here is this. Do not be hypercritical. Of your brother. Do not be judgmental. Do not be censorious. Do not be a fault finder. And fruit inspector general. Notice in 
Verse 3, why do you look at? The word is blepo. Gazing at. Keep looking at. Of course, he has no time to consider the iron girder in his own eyes. But he's always looking at the zipper of everybody else. And there are people like that, inspector general. They take upon themselves this amazing responsibility to be a critic. So it means do not be a fault finder. It means do not pronounce a final judgment of condemnation. That is not your business. It is God's business. It means do not judge without love and mercy. Ancient rabbis spoke about two measures of judgment. Justice, one measure. Mercy, another measure. What measure are you going to use? Justice or mercy? Some use only justice though they want to be judged all the time with the measure of mercy. He's speaking against straining the net but swallowing conveniently the camel of one's own greater sin. He's speaking against the Pharisaic functioning as an ophthalmologist who is blind because of an iron girder sticking out of his eye. We are told about a blind leading the blind, but this is worse. A blind ophthalmologist. He's speaking not against the public official judging, but private personal judging of a fellow brother. He's speaking against judging based on false reports and rumors. And somebody said, have a keen sense of rumor. He's speaking against rash judgment. The kind the crowd made against Jesus in John 7 and verse 20, you are demon possessed. He's speaking against hypocritical judgment. The kind David exercised in 2 Samuel 12, we'll deal with it later on. He's speaking against judging of a brother without mercy. He's speaking against judgment that is not based upon the Holy Scriptures, which is the basis of all judgment. Holy Scriptures, when understood correctly through rigorous study, he's speaking against judging by appearance, which Jesus prohibits in John 7 and verse 24. God judges not by outward appearance, but on the basis of the heart. So then, when Jesus says to us, judge not, he means these kinds of false judgments. Now look at some examples in the scripture of wrong judgment. 
Turn with me to 2nd Samuel chapter 12. And you know the story. David a great man. An elect. Man born of God. A man. Led by the spirit. Sweet singer of Israel. Man of great prayer and great worship. And yet. He became arrogant. And he committed adultery. With Bathsheba. Then he murdered. Without mercy. Uriah. The husband of Bathsheba. And now. Let's look at. 2nd Samuel chapter 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him he said. There were two men. In certain towns. One rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb. He had bought. He raised it. And it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger. You hypocrite. Against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. That's the kind of judgment Jesus Christ is prohibiting here. And Nathan said, You are the man. Blind! Iron girded sticking out of his eyes pretending to judge the other person who stole a ewe lamb. And he pronounces in great anger the judgment he deserves. He is looking at the sawdust and he sees it very clearly. And he says, you must die for the sin of sawdust compared to what David himself had done. Against the almighty God. Isn't it interesting how conveniently. We ignore. And refuse to consider. The huge monstrosity. That is in ourselves. Turn with me to 1 Kings. Chapter 19. And you remember the story. Of Elijah. How he confronted the prophets of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel. And there was a demonstration as to who is God. And Elijah killed 850 false prophets. And Jezebel sent him a threat and said, I'll kill you. And Elijah was very depressed and afraid. And was running. Let's listen to what he says in 
1 Kings 19 and verse 10. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death. With the sword, I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. And look at verse 14. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me. The guy lost his mind because of self-pity. Emotionalism. Subjectivity. But God is not going to put up with this. So finally he says this in verse 18. Now Elijah, I want you to know something. Your judgment is wrong. It's false. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Great man, Elijah. But he was not judging correctly. He was judging based on self-pity and emotionalism. And we are not about such false judgments. 7,000, Elijah. I have. 7,000 who worship me. And turn with me to Matthew 18. There you find an illustration of the wrong kind of judgment. There was a man who owed 10,000 talents. Means millions of dollars. But he comes to the creditor and says he doesn't have it. He wants the creditor to judge him not with justice but with mercy. And the creditor forgave him all 10,000 talents. And he comes out of the presence of this creditor. And he sees a man who owed him 100 denarii. Means a few dollars. Less than $100. And he judges him with justice. Arrests him and throws him in jail. He pleads with the guy. Refuses to show mercy. And you know what happened to him. You see that is what Jesus Christ is forbidding and prohibiting. Or let's turn to the Luke chapter 18. That tells us about two men. Verse 10. Went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Both of course Jewish people. People of God. In a general sense. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. He's fascinated by himself. He's fixated on himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, see the judgment. Adulterers, or even like this tax collector. 
is judging. When he has big iron girdles sticking out of both of his eyes, he is very eager to detect the sawdust in the eye of the publican. I fast twice a week and, and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And he went home justified. And this iron girder man went home damned. That is the kind of judgment Jesus Christ forbids us to engage in. Or oh, turn with me to John chapter 8. And there, <laughs> people were waiting. The Pharisees, the sanctimonious, the self-righteous. And they watched a woman committing adultery. And dragged the woman out and brought to Jesus. What are you going to say about this woman? Oh, they judged her. And Jesus said, those who have no sin, cast the first stone. And we know they all left. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Oh yes. There was only one person without sin. Very God and very man. Who would die on the cross in behalf of that person's sin. Sin is serious business. But look at these rebels. They don't see their own sin, but they were interested in seeing the sin of this woman. Fascinated by it, focused upon it. Inspector General. We preach grace and forgiveness and repentance and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, thirdly, let's look at the reasons for not being censorious, hypercritical. Reason number one, it says, it will boomerang on you. If you are going to be censorious, then it will boomerang on you. Men will be hypercritical of you. But we could deal with that. But it will boomerang on you in the sense God will judge you. Oh, some people say, well, you know, we crossed from death to life on the basis of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and so on. I absolutely believe and declare and agree. But let us be clear-headed. There are three judgments we must face. First is the judgment that St. Paul is speaking to the church people in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 30. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. In other words, there is a judgment 
the people of God experience in the church. It is called chastisement. Read Hebrews 12. It speaks about the same thing. Severe chastisement at times that results in the physical death of a believer. Judge not lest you be judged. Number two, there is the final judgment. And in this chapter 7 as well as chapter 25, we are told about it. There is a final judgment. The judgment of sheep and goats. Sheep are God's people. Goats are the wicked. And our Lord Jesus Christ is coming again in great glory and in great power. And to him is given all judgment and he is going to judge. But those who have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. They are vessels of mercy. They are prepared for glory and they shall be judged righteous. Hallelujah. Third. There is a judgment of reward. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 tells us. And 1 Corinthians 3 tells us about. St. Paul was very aware of this judgment. Judgment of reward. And as a result. He conducted himself very carefully. In his daily living. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive what is due him. For the things done while in the body whether good or bad. It will be the judgment of reward. On the basis of what we have done in our body. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us. Verse 12. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved but only as one escaping through the flames. Judge not lest ye be judged. Boomerang. Not only men judging us severely with justice. But God himself judging us. And not only that the text tells us the measure by which you meet out. And the same measure will be used to meet it out to you. And as I already said, what measure are you using? Justice or mercy? And may God help us to use mercy. Show mercy. That mercy will be shown to us. But you say, no, I want to use justice for everybody else. I operate on the basis of two measures. One for me. And one for everybody else. Everybody else justice. For me mercy. Turn with me to the book of James. 
chapter 2 and verse 12 speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful that is the threat Jesus Christ is giving the standard you determine the standard you choose the measure it will be measured to you by the same measure number five and then we need to consider the qualifications for proper judging of a brother and let me give you some qualifications first we must speak truth in love we must speak truth in love and truth is revealed to us it is objective truth is God's word but we must minister to our brother in love in other words read 1st Corinthians 13 before you go and minister judgment to somebody second know yourself still to be a sinner that you stand by grace Simul justus et peccator. Simultaneously. Justified at the same time sinner. That will give you some sobriety. Number three. Investigate. Know the whole facts. And circumstances. Investigate. Number four. Judge yourself first. In other words, take off the beam, the girder, before looking for sawdust in the brother's eye which is troubling him. We must remove the sawdust. It's irritating. It's troubling. You need to minister to that person. However, before we do it, take off the beam. The text says if you do that, you'll be able to see clearly. The word is diablepo. You'll be able to see through the reality very, very clearly. An able ophthalmologist. 2020 vision. You see what is going on in that person. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. And there you find how blind people can be. The message to the church of Laodicea. Revelation 3.17 You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. So the Lord says I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. So you can become rich. White clothes. To wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Number five. Judgment must be according to truth. Therefore, study the scripture systematically. You see the problem with people who open the Bible and say, say, judge not. And they run around and say, judge not. You don't understand what it says. Because you need to be instructed as to what exactly it means. You need to understand in the context 
of the totality of God's revelation. Number six, if that person is your brother, pray for that brother before judging him. Number seven, turn with me to the book of Galatians and chapter six and verse one. And it tells us, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, make sure you are spiritual. Meaning, you are spirit-led, spirit-guided, spirit-taught. Make sure you are spiritual. And make sure your job is to restore this person. The word is katatidzo, it is used for setting the broken bones to repair. So you, you have an interest in the healing of this person, restoration of this person. And if it is the restoration of this person setting the broken bones, you have to do it gently, it says. Isn't that true? Restore him gently with the spirit of meekness. Why? Spirit of meekness. Because the sobriety that is given there Watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Always keep in mind David, he was a great man, man of God, and yet he did all that horrible thing. And any moment we may fall also. That gives you sobriety. Number eight, Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 tells this. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That's not easy. And the guy comes again and again and again and again and again and again. He says he's it. <laughs> great patience. And as well as instruction. Bear with this person who is weak and stumbling. Number 9, Titus 1 and verse 13 tells this. This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith, healthy in the faith, in other words. In other words, again, our interest is to bring the person to soundness, redemption, healing. Our judgment must have that purpose of bringing the brother back to health, spiritual health. And number six, let's look at the value of true judging. Value of the judging by a brother. There is great value in it. Proverbs 25 and verse 12 says this. About rebuking, about judging, about correcting. Listen to this. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. A wise man's rebuke is an ornament, it is glory, it is beauty. It enhances your persona. 
And if you are not having a person to rebuke you, I feel sorry. May God help us to send wise men on our way who will rebuke us. That only enhances our glory, character. It's gold. It's fine gold. Or turn with me to Psalm 141. 141 and verse 5. Let a righteous man strike me. It is what? Kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. The Lord is my shepherd. He anoints my head with oil. In other words, this rebuke from a righteous man is cause for great celebration. It adds to my joy. It adds to my beauty. <laughs> righteous man rebuking. Wise man rebuking. Not only that, Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, we read this and most of you know by heart all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, equipped for every good work. And if, if you want to be mathematicians, it says 50% teaching and training and 50% is what? Rebuking and correcting. That's the way it is and you need rebuking and correcting because it equips you, furnishes you, make you competent to do good works, make you able to live in the world a Christian life that is pleasing in the sight of God. So we conclude this way. Jesus suffered at the hands of men the most unrighteous and ignominious judgment in the annals of all judgment. He was without sin, perfect man. He was the divine judge. He was the one and only son of God. He was God. And Pilate said three times, I find no fault in him. And yet he condemned him and ordered him to be crucified as a criminal. The Sanhedrin convicted Jesus for affirming the truth that he was the Christ, the Son of God. They judged him unrighteously and God permitted this human travesty of judgment. In the will of God, he was judged in our place. Crucified in our place, buried in our place, raised for us. He died for us. He was raised for our justification. And the question we must ask is, how do you judge him? This is the most important question in the whole world. The most important question in the whole world, what do you say about Jesus Christ? How do you judge him? That's a question a teacher, a man, a demon-possessed person, a lunatic. How do you judge him? The creator of the whole universe. It is by him the whole things hold together. 
It is by him you breathe and live. It is he who sustains the birds in the air. It is he who gives beauty to the lilies of the field. God over all. The sovereign Lord of the universe. And he has revealed himself in the holy scriptures. And you have had this book all these years. What do you say about him? How do you judge the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says, perfect man, true God, king of kings, lord of lords, the only savior. And if he is lord, messiah, God, man, only savior, my question, and I ask this question without shame, have you trusted in him alone for your salvation? That's my question. He does not need any sympathy. You need sympathy. And compassion and sympathy and salvation will flow to you on the basis of your trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. The day is coming when he shall come in great power and glory. There is coming a day when he will come with all glory and honor and power and every eye shall see him. Not only two and a half billion. Everyone shall see him. And he comes to judge. As well as to save. And he comes to judge us savingly. Praise be to God. On that day he would say to us. I see you innocent. No sin I see on you. No guilt I see on you. You are all perfectly righteous. Hallelujah. And he'll be just in his justifying of us. For he took all our sins. He gave his perfect righteousness to us. And then he will say to us, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the whole world. That's a question. How do you judge him? Don't sympathize with him. Don't give him any sympathy. Now he gives us an opportunity to judge him correctly. Then he will come to judge you and to judge me. Shall we rise? Young man, young woman, old people, men, women, educated and uneducated. How do you judge Jesus of Nazareth? I don't believe that every religion is of equal validity. I believe Christianity alone speaks about the way of salvation. I believe Jesus Christ alone is the Savior. But today you can ensure that when you die you will go to the presence of God. I say put away arrogance, pride, self-sufficiency, fascination with ourselves like the Pharisee who prayed to himself. Bow down, kiss the sun. Hallelujah. And if you have never confessed Christ as your Savior, I beseech you that you do that today. 
There are elders here who will help you understand these issues, pray with you, give you materials to read, invite you to be part of this body of Christ where you can learn theology and God's truth and grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray that you have mercy upon us all. Help us to judge righteous judgments. And we thank you for granting us this great privilege of answering the question, who do you say that I am? And your heavenly Father gave us a revelation into the depths of our being which we articulated You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. And we are saved. And we are justified. And we rejoice. Our eyes are open. Hallelujah. Let's praise him. Praise you, O God. Praise you. Praise you. Hallelujah. 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 Amen and amen.